Today, Yudaled Be'adar, the 14th of the month of Adar, the memorial and commemoration of the events that happened in Purim. You know, the word Purim is really the word for lots. And the word for lots is very similar to the name of Lot, who was a righteous man living in Sodom, much like Mordechai and Esther living in Persia. See, history repeats itself in more than one way. Everything repeats itself, but it's always just slightly different than the one before. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, each star according to its kind, and yet no star is identical to another. The events of Purim were not the first, nor are they the last to occur. We know of very similar events that happened in Europe in the 20th century, and even more similar events that are about to happen any day now, <laughs> all around the world. The events prophesied to us over 2,000 years ago. Everybody loves celebrating Purim in Israel. They all go out, they dress up in costumes, they get drunk, they gorge themselves on meat and cookies that they call Ozen Haman, which means the ear of Haman, which really is the most stupidest name for a cookie, a pastry, something sweet that you enjoy. Why would you call something sweet that you enjoy over the name of the guy who tried to murder your entire nation? That's like calling schnitzel, which is a breaded chicken breast, a Hitler's chest. Would you like a little slice of Hitler? Would you like some Hitler chest? They don't do that, but they call it Haman ears. Why? So stupid. See, the Jews of today are not the Jews of back then. See, back then, when the events happened, all the nations, the Gentiles, they all wanted to become Jews. They circumcised themselves to become Jews. You know how big that is? People who are willingly willing to snip the tip in order to become Jews and serve the God of Israel because the fear of God was on them. They saw what happened with the Jews, how the Jews were saved after there was a deadly decree written by Haman and how God turned it around so Haman got for himself what he planned for the Jews. But not this day, not this time. This time, it's the Jews who want to be the Gentiles. They want to be like the nations, live like the nations, prostitute themselves like the nations. They don't want to be Jews. And if the Jews don't want to be Jews, why would anyone else want to be Jews? Yeshua told us 2,000 years ago, in the last days, good will be evil, and evil will be considered good. Is it not what has happened? Did the prophecy not come to pass? Light will be called dark and dark will be called light. Men will become women and women will be called men. Well, just look around you. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Or in that case, the proof <laughs> is in, you know what? History repeats itself. But every time it's just slightly different. See, in Purim, the people repented in sackcloth and ashes.
prostrated themselves before God, humbled themselves before God. They repented of their sins. They acknowledged their sins. They knew they went astray. They knew they forsaken their faith and their God. And they had enough sense to repent and proclaim a three-day fast, no food, no water, just prayer. Esther was willing to risk her own life going to the king without an invitation. See, there was a law that said nobody is to approach the king unless he is summoned, a law that is punishable by death. See, interestingly enough, the first queen was summoned and she refused to come and was excommunicated. The second queen was not summoned and yet she did come. Very similar to the parable Yeshua told us with the wedding banquet. The people who were summoned refused to come and they were thrown off to the fiery pit. And then it is said his servants went to the streets and the courtyards and everywhere to gather everyone they can, much like in the story of Purim. They gathered all the virgins, brought them to him, and out of those who were called, Esther was chosen. See, many are called, few are chosen. All the virgins of the provinces were called. They were there for 12 months, being purified from their disgust, from their earthly life, from their stench of their homeland. Most of them living in poverty, being farmers, and you know what? 12 months of purification in order to meet the king. And Esther was chosen. Do you want to be chosen? It says Esther won favor with everyone who saw her. She was a holy woman. Even when she lived with the king, it is said that she kept her faith. She kept the commandments of God. She stayed clean, stayed kosher. She feared God and she prayed. Do you pray? And I don't mean quoting from some book three times a day or going to synagogue on Shabbos. I mean really pray, you know. A genuine conversation with your Heavenly Father, not as if you're quoting some sort of a magic spell. Oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be. That's not prayer. A parrot can do that. A monkey can do that. A computer simulation can do that. Our Father in heaven. Text to speech. I mean, prayer. Do you talk that way to your wife, to your husband? No. If you do not talk like that to your wife or husband, why would you think it is okay to talk that way to your maker, your creator, the one who gave you your intelligence, the one who created you? You're not that smart, you know. You really are Mr. Stupid, not Mr. Smart. But you don't know that because you're too stupid to see. God, God is Wisdom. God is intelligence. He invented those things. The first thing he did, much prior to the world being inexistent, was God created wisdom. And by wisdom, he created everything else. So you think the one who created wisdom does not understand? The one who created ears does not hear? The one who made the eyes does not see? How stupid and foolish are you? Probably like the Jews in the Holocaust in Europe in the 20th, second, the, the 20th century. See, much just like what happened in Persia with Mordechai and Esther. The Jews 
started assimilating, they got themselves in a pickle. It's what happens every time the Jews assimilate. It happens in Egypt too, nobody likes to talk about it. You ever thought about how did the Jews end up in slavery? Because we know that God is faithful, and if the Jews were faithful to him, they would have never ended up slaves. You know, the Jews did not get there as slaves. Yosef was there. He was number two over all of Egypt, much like Haman was over all of Persia. Yosef went down before his family and brought his family down, and they were guests of honor of Pharaoh. Seventy people went down, and they multiplied like crazy to the point that when they left Egypt, it was 600,000 men, not including women and children. But how did they get to be slaves? See, we're not told specifically, but knowing history and knowing our Creator, I already know what happened. They forsook the Lord their God. They assimilated with the Egyptians, started mimicking their pagan practices. We know that they sacrificed some of their children in the fire, like the pagans did. We know that they cooked baby animals in their mother's milk, and that is why we get that commandment not to do it. And they did all sorts of abominable things which is why the Lord has sent them into slavery. Much just like we read in the book of Judges, every time it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So he sent them to the hands of their enemies. See, the story of Purim is no different, except that they had enough sense to repent, and God made a promise to our forefathers that we will not be extinct something he did not promise to all the rest of those Canaanite, Perizzites, Hivites nations that are no longer around. We are still around. They're not. Because God promised. Not because of us. Because of him. But do we have enough sense to acknowledge that? Do we have enough sense to repent, to realize our wrong, to realize how we forsook our maker, our creator, our husband, the one who rescued us, the one who made us? The one who chose us, who picked us from slavery, who redeemed us, who purchased us, who died for us, who saved us, who loved us? Do we have enough sense to acknowledge him and to acknowledge our sins against him? I don't know. Do you? I know I do. I know Stephen does. But not the rest of my family. They're all a bunch of fools. They don't even believe God exists, is how stupid they are. Believe in all kind of mess. Not because there's reason to believe in that. There's no evidence for any of the stuff they believe in. Actually, the evidence has been disproved and proven that what they believe in is a lie and false and does not exist. There is no evolution. There is no Big Bang. I talk about this stuff all the time. But they're illogical, irrational people. They don't listen to truth. They don't care about facts. They care about what they want to believe because they are rebellious at heart and nothing can change that. See, when you are rebellious, you can hear the truth and deny it. You can hear something as simple as two plus two is four and say it just ain't so. It doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter to you. Facts don't matter because you do not want to hear. You are a rebellious, stubborn child. Have you ever had young children? You tell them something so simple and they argue with you. And you say, what do you mean? The grass is green. Look at it. It's green. No, the grass is pink. Well, <laughs> you, you're really going to stand there and argue with the donkey? They want to believe the grass is pink? Let them. 
They will answer to God, not to you. God will judge them. God will show them and confront them with their sins. I don't care. They can do whatever the heck they want to do. And so do you. See, the Jews in the Holocaust did not have the sense that the Jews in Persia did. They did not repent. Sure, some of them might have been religious, going to synagogue and putting on tefillin and all that mess, but they were not holy. See, and why would you think they were? I mean, just look at the Jews today. Are they holy? Sure, they go to synagogue. Sure, they wear a kippah. Sure, they put on tefillin. But what does that mean? <laughs> they're, they're more wickedest than the secular Jews. At least the secular Jews don't pretend. See, they're devils and they know it. <laughs> it's the ones who look religious. The ones who go to the Knesset, become ministers of, of sorts. The ones who promote all these religious laws. And then they go and take bribes and commit all kinds of atrocities. They are the biggest devils of them all, the religious people. And you think God just going to let it be? You think he's going to let them go? You think he's going to forget and forgive? Heck no. <laughs> there is hell to pay. And judgment is coming. See, judgment has come before, you know. Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Heard about that place before? Have you heard about the Aztecs? They're not around anymore, are they? Yeah, nobody likes to talk about the truth. First and second temple destroyed. Jews in exile. Assyrian captivity. Destruction of the Jewish people. Every age, every generation, every time they rebel against our Creator. They are always punished and they never learn. But that's their choice. That is their choice and God does not rob them of it. But just remember... God did not expel you from his life. It is you that removed God from yours. So the question is left to be answered. Even though it probably is already answered, it just hasn't been made official yet because you're still not dead physically. Mentally and spiritually, you've been dead a long time. There's nothing to do about that. But as long as you have breath in your lungs... Will you repent? Will you wake up? Will you acknowledge your sins and the sins of your forefathers? How you deserted the Lord your God, Adonai, Tzevaot, the God of Israel, Yashar'el, the one who gave us the name. There is no Yashar'el, Israel, without God. He gave us this name. It was Yaakov. And he told him, you are no longer Yaakov. You are now Yashar'el, the upright one of God. The honest one of God, because Yaakov means trickster. He said, no, you are now going to be an honest man. No more trickery. No more salesmanship. No more sleaziness. You're not to become a lawyer anymore. You're to be a law-abiding child of God. Do you want to be a child of Yashar El? Or do you want to die in the desert? See, if the Jews during the time of Esther lived in a province that was outside of the judicial area of the king, God might have let some of them die. But the only reason God delivered them and saved them completely from annihilation is that there were no Jews outside of Persia. See, if that decree of Haman would have come to pass, we would all be extinct. The Holocaust was different. There were Jews outside of Europe. 
Actually, the Jews were encouraged to leave Europe. They received something called the Balfour Declaration in 1917, much like the Koresh Declaration, Cyrus. It's the same story that happened over and over again, except this time, God said enough. Because they did not repent, they were rebellious at heart, they were wicked. They loved money, much like today. They loved their businesses and quality of life, much like the Israelites of Egypt. Right? What is the first thing they said after they got out of Egypt? Why did you bring us to this desert to die? We would have been better off in Egypt. We had meat. We miss having meat for dinner. We miss the quality of life of Egypt. See, that's what the, the European Jews said. They didn't want to come here. There was nothing here. But they wanted to stay in Europe because they did not trust God to provide for them. It's the lack of trust that God despises the most. He taught them with the manna in the desert each day. Get what you need for the day. Leave nothing until morning, or it will rot. And it surely did. And at the Sabbath, he said, don't go out. There will be nothing there. They went out. <laughs> and then they brought, he brought them somewhere else, and they kept grumbling, complaining. What about water? Why did you bring us here to die in this desert? See, they just don't learn. God is not a one-trick pony. God is not a one-time thing. God is constant. God is forever. God is from ever until ever. We are the temporary ones. It is not God who is in question. It is not God who needs to prove himself. It is you. God is already proven. God is. You are not. So who the heck do you think you are to put God in question? To say you don't believe in God. Well, the truth is God does not believe in you. And why would he? I wouldn't believe in you either. <laughs> you are useless. You don't even believe in yourself. So you want God to believe in you? See, we talk about the story of Job, the book of Eov. You know, the book of Eov is really about God, not about Eov. But what's beautiful about that book is that it is God who believed in a man. See, God told Satan, have you considered my servant Eov? There is no one like him. See, God brags about his children. He says, look at them. Ah, now that's my child. That's my son. See, God loves bragging about his children. Look at him. That's my boy. God loves us. We are his treasured possession and he invests in us. Because we give him glory. We are his jewels. The jewels on his crown. The Jews. Jews, jewels. We are the jewels on his crown. That is what we are supposed to be. That is why he gave us the Torah. To sanctify us. So we will shine like the stars in heaven. The stars in the sky. They say the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The heavens are not the problem. We are. We are to declare the glory of the Lord, but we do not. Because we have free will and we choose willingly not to. So what do you want? What do you think God is going to do with you when judgment comes, when the, your time runs out? What is he going to do? Did he not give you a choice? Did he not call you to repent? Did he not tell you that he loves you and he wants you to stop sinning and come back home? He did all of that. But what did you do? Ignore, yell at the prophet, cuss them out, says, call them offensive, says, oh, who can listen to that? It's too aggressive. Well, what do you want? <laughs> it's like Yeshua said, John the Baptist came, he didn't drink, he didn't party, he didn't do any of these things, you didn't listen. Then I come, you call me a drunk, you call me a party animal, you don't listen. What do you want? You don't listen. You are rebellious. And that's it. That's all there is to it. 
Truth does not matter to you. Facts do not matter to you. Nothing matters to you. You are just rebellious and that is it. And you are going to die in the desert and you are going to spend eternity in hell. Goodbye. You carry me the distance 